So, the year is 2008. The game is the Champions League final. Manchester United claiming their third Champions League. Sir Alex's second. We'll get on to that in the second half of the show today, or the second two-thirds, I guess, of the show today. Ed, is there some some news you wanted to cover before we get there? No, not really. Should we move on? (laughs) The there's well, there's a little bit of news. There is the um, two two things. It looks like the Premier League have pushed back their start date to the end of June, but players are back in training. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen the the key news being that both Ashley Young and N'Golo Kante, in fact, can grow hair. Yeah, um, yeah the, Ashley Young's got a full head of hair there. It's, yeah, yeah, very, just very chose surprising. To be bald all these years. I mean, it looks good on him. Can't deny it. The the bald the bald is a look that worked very well for Ashley Young. Um, maybe felt it made him more aerodynamic. But yeah, anyway, uh, as opposed to the 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 kind of the lockdown return haircut conversation, um, it it was I quite liked seeing United players back in training. I thought. Like a couple of them look very happy. They're all obviously training in small groups, right? And that's yep. that's the way these things are working. They're training groups of four or five, keeping distance, small, small um, sort of box games and stuff like that, which they do a lot anyway. So, I mean, a, a lot of it's not that different. I think the the challenge will be all getting in a room and watching some video analysis or something like that. That's going to be much much harder. Um, and and tactical stuff will be harder, but of course, you know they're all going to get on the pitch at some point. Yes, together. This is, what, this is anyway. what I don't quite understand about the whole thing because ultimately, surely, what has to just happen is these players just have to be tested over and over again. But anyway, well, I'm they not, are being. Yeah, I'm not a yeah there was six hundred and something tests in the first round of testing, and two Watford players and a Watford assistant manager all tested positive. So we're going to get a few of those. And the protocol is nothing like the protocol in the real world. The protocol is the player who is infected goes home and isolates for seven days. It's not really in the spirit of sort of contact tracing, is it? But this is what the Premier League have decided and they published some research or at least gave it to the players saying that the actual amount of actual contact between players in any given game is on average, you know, a few milliseconds and really not very much in total, et cetera, and so on. So, and some, and some uh, science has said it's, it's uh, you know, it's unlikely people would get it from contact on the pitch. And so on. And we've seen the Bundesliga has yeah. now gone through two rounds of, of games and it's just about working out. I mean, it's a bloody weird atmosphere at those games. There's, Feel, feels like it's having an, an effect on the intensity of the football. And we'll see in a month's time or so if this is the plan. I mean, of course, it could all it could all go you know, pear-shaped again if quite a lot of players either refuse to play because they're scared or there's quite a lot of positive tests or something like that. So I sure. don't think there's any guarantees at all. But uh, everyone seems extremely determined to to get back to uh, playing because because they're already facing the loss of about £300 million in rebates to the the uh, broadcasters, international and domestic, because they haven't fulfilled the terms of their contract and because they're not going to be giving the product that they effectively promised, no crowds and so on, and, and not on the same timescale, and, and they don't want to be giving back another £700 million or so. so. Um, the, uh, the United have 
what's going on with United season ticket refunds and stuff? Is that I, I saw something that was happening, but I didn't read into it. Yeah, they've said they're going to be offering full refunds for all the for the for the sort of pro rata, right? So yeah. for the remaining yeah. home games, and I assume the LASK game, assuming it doesn't happen. I mean, which it probably won't, right? And we don't even know the timetable of European football. It looks like that's going to be at the end of any all the domestic seasons, so in July or August or something like that. It's going to be nuts anyway. Yeah. Um, then there was some other news. Um, United released their full-year financials. I think full-year? Full-year. No, that can't be right. No, because it runs to June. Where are we? Q3 financials. It must have been Q3 financials, Yeah. Um, which which don't look too rosy, and and you could say, well, look, it's the impact of of uh, COVID nineteen already, but really, we're only accounting for a couple of weeks in these financials of of the impact of su- the suspension of football. So, uh, like everything's down, basically, broadcast, Premier League, um, commercial, it's 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 all down, and and I suppose you could say, and there was two fewer games on quarter over quarter, so that's all having an impact. The the two things that are kind of really interesting that stand out are United's estimation of how much the the coronavirus suspension has already cost them twenty million something, and how much they expect uh, the rebate to be about the same again. Uh, and to the broadcasters. And then the big headline, which wasn't given much nuanced cover- coverage, I have to say, was that the net debt is up over £100 million, which looks like shocking. The actual gross debt figure really hasn't changed at all. Um, there's a Forex issue. The pound dropped quite significantly against the dollar. Uh, everyone in a crisis rushes to the dollar as standard practice or gold um, or Bitcoin. Probably not Bitcoin. Not that much Bitcoin. I've been keeping an eye on it. Bitcoin no, prices have not yeah. gone through the roof. They have not. Uh, and um, and also United have less cash at hand, so they've been paying like paying without bringing money in. So it's had a little bit of an effect. Um, I mean, it, we, you, you can extrapolate a few things. The worst is yet to come, for sure, for for United. And... Uh, um, it's it's not going to be a crisis at the club because there's uh, they've they've still got their revolving 150 million pound credit facility. So United are not going to be running out of cash, but uh, they have 184 million pounds worth of payables due this summer on transfers. So it's quite quite a lot. I was like adding that up and going how how the hell? Um, mm. I actually didn't take a note of how many uh, are payable due to United. So they may well be you know, more balanced out. Um, anyway, uh, not, it's not a disaster. It, it, nothing looks rosy. You only failed to make the Champions League next season. That could be pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll have a significant impact given you know the position United are in, in terms of how they think about spending money. So all stories about... Jaden Sancho for a hundred million plus, or Harry Kane for two hundred million. It's just forget it. Yeah, well, they're, they're two very different stories, aren't they? One of them, yeah, I'm sure, is a deal that United have been trying to do for a really long time, and the other one is absolute garbage nonsense paper talk, right? Surely, yes. 
Oh, yes, Jaden Sancho sporting uh, uh, a kind of feral look. Don't really noticed he's um, hasn't cut his hair or his face, but his face doesn't seem to grow evenly. You know, he's still a child, isn't he? Uh, another assist. So he has um, more than 30 goal contributions in a curtailed season already. Yeah, he's good at football. Right. He's good. So that's yeah. the key takeaway, isn't it? Um, all right. Well, that's that's all all the news that's fit to print. United are in not great financial circumstances, and uh, we don't know when football's coming back, but it is working towards coming back. I think that's essentially the the roundup of that, isn't it? It is. That means we've probably only got a few of these uh, these bad boys left to do. Well, more than maybe... Until, until the autumn when football gets suspended again. Maybe more than... You've, that's two weeks in a row we've made that joke. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm just going to keep making it every... It's, you know, touch wood, right? You know. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we might have, like, a few more of these than we thought we were going to, though, mightn't we? Because um, we, were, we were thinking it was just only a little handful left. Uh, but there's there's maybe another couple of weeks worth of these to throw in. We've already picked our next game, uh, which is a game which was slightly lower stakes than the one we uh, we're going to talk about in a minute. But we're um, we're going to do it slightly lower stakes, but glorious poetic justice of the of the finest kind. Um, and it is the 2010 September 2010 game, beginning of a Premier League season that ended pretty okay um, between Manchester United and Liverpool. Uh, when, uh, well, spoiler warning. Um, uh, <laughs> well, just in case someone, no one's seen the result of this one yet, close your ears now. Yeah, exactly. United win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Burbers scores a hat trick. <laughs> Stephen. Is Gerard. this one get sent off? No, that's, the, that's no, one. No. That's one field. Which oh, I, that's one field. Yeah, we, yeah. We probably should. Up, yeah. We should probably do one field just to see if it was as good as we all remember. Um, well, there were two fantastic. Wan Rasa goals and Steven Gerrard got sent off in 30 seconds or yeah, something. Exactly. Maybe we'll just do the 30 seconds of one field where Steven... Maybe we'll do back-to-back wins over Liverpool in the league. <laughs> um, one at a time when we were actually good and the other one when we were scraping fourth place. Um, but yeah. Uh, so for all that though, we've got to talk about the game that we've just watched. I, I watched this today. I thoroughly enjoyed the first half and then the penalty shootout and pretty much everything in between was a bit of a slog to get through, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, this was... <laughs> I mean, you know, we were very, very good in the first half. And then Chelsea took over and it took, I'd say, about 25 minutes for Ferguson to kind of work out what was going on. It's, it's like, in retrospect, you wonder why it took so long. But then he was just like, we're just going to game up mm-hmm. and that, that's what United did they went and spoiled the game for the rest of the game and and for whatever reason that that first half when they were really sort of flowing just didn't happen for the rest of the game well um, let's send and, and we'll go through the details of course but it was just kind of interesting how Chelsea took over and then you know, I couldn't really get back on top they successfully nullified Chelsea to had a lot of shots not not like good chances in that second half but anyway um, it's, so uh, it's a very, very attacking lineup from Fergie, which is kind of like I think probably was a bit of a surprise at the time, especially given how he'd approached the Barcelona semi-final, the away leg of Barcelona semi-final. But clearly, right. he thought our best chance here is to is to go for a punch, like go for a, a kind of knockout punch. And and they play the the front three that we all know, 
But in midfield, you've got both Carrick and Skulls with Hargreaves playing on the right, effectively, the right of the three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically a 4-4-2, isn't it? So it's, the front three isn't really the front three until later in the game. I mean, Ronaldo plays it on the left, right? Mm. And, and really it doesn't, doesn't switch to the right until halfway through the second half. Mm. Yeah, I guess Rooney plays up front and Tevez is kind of drifting on the right a bit, isn't he? More than in the first half, more than playing as a as a centre forward, I guess. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like there's there's a lot of kind of four four two about it. Where's Brown at right back? Um, because uh, Vidic was back in the side, and uh, in the end, this is a victory for right thinking people everywhere because the team with all caps names on the back of their shirt beat the team with outrageous all lowercase decision. I mean, imagine if a team whose names were written in all lowercase, A.Col, all in lowercase, won the Champions League. Absolute disgrace. I know it was the late 2000s and things were wild in those days, you know, that people didn't realise quite how bad 2008 was going to be for society as a whole and they were trying wild stuff. But that was too far, Chelsea, too far. <laughs> disgrace, absolute <laughs> disgrace. Um <laughs> I, look, look, we're going to have plenty to talk about when it comes to bad kits this season oh, with yeah. the United's bus seat kit. Unbelievable. Just, oh, and the, and the razzle-dazzle or whatever it's called. Yeah, the razzle-dazzle's fine. Like, the, the bus seat kit is real, real bad. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I hope United play in that, the, the dazzle camo versus City's new third kit, which is sort of weird paisley slash bacterium. <laughs> It's very, very appropriate for the times. Well, um, I, I mean, that's how I've wondered whether it was a kind of, you know, a little nod. Anyway, yes. So, so United set up in this sort of four four two with, with, you know, kind of n- not the typical formation that had been played this season. Very specific job uh, Hargreaves was asked to do, which was to kind of block up that left wing for Chelsea, which Ferguson clearly thought was a threat. I guess, and and you've got this, you know, what is seen as very strong Chelsea midfield, Ballack, Lampard and McAuley through the centre there. And it is a strong Chelsea midfield, um, playing against the old men of uh, Scholes and Carrick. Carrick was very young then. It's a long yeah. time ago. But the, the, one of the, the fascinating, it's a fascinating tactical decision, isn't it? Because Ferguson's gone, right, how are we going to beat this team with this these kind of two powerhouse box-to-box midfielders and this one, like, ultra capable competent um sweeper upper in midfield um and he he went with like passing that was that was just going to pass him to there yeah and united have 50 odd percent 58% possession in this game they keep the ball well they chelsea feel very conservative in that first half that that um at half time um, so I watched the MUTV coverage of this, and uh, so we had our, our favourite summariser, Paddy Currand. <laughs> he's, he's great in this game, I've got to say. I wish I'd he's, seen that. Uh, he's uh, it is um, perhaps one of the most one-eyed commentary um, performances I've ever heard. <laughs> Superb. It's just too, it's, he's absolutely disgusted with the referee from about minute one to minute one hundred and twenty, uh, and rightly so in some cases. So. Hey, I think I think that might have shaped your feelings about the referee a little bit. Because actually, the referee does quite well to stand up to Chelsea's relentless protestations 
Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it's Chelsea that are uh, doing it. And we'll, we'll get onto this a bit more. But anyway, half-time, uh, he's he's asked, well, are Chelsea going to come out of their skins? He said, no, no, this is the animal. And Because <laughs> um, it did feel like that in the first half, that that is, that is how Chelsea had decided to set up for this game. They were going to play... Uh, fairly conservative and try and break on United. And, you know, of course, they had, they had pace in Drogba and Maluda and and men breaking ahead of the ball in Balak and Lampard, and Lampard doing that gets them their goal. Um, but um, but it, it didn't really work for them in the first half. They weren't getting men ahead of the ball. They weren't getting the opportunities to break. And it was, it was pretty relentless United attacking play, wasn't it? Yeah, after 15 minutes, first 15 are horrible. That's what I was just going to yeah. say. Like the game basically doesn't because my memory of this game is that we battered them in the first half, and I haven't seen it since. I've seen it once ever, um, and really, so for the first 15 minutes when nothing happens, and actually Chelsea looked quite bright for the first sort of five minutes on the ball, and then just like the first thing of note that happens is there's a, like a decent cross from Owen Hargreaves about seven and a half minutes in, which is literally the first quality ball in the final third. And it's not like they're tentatively knocking it about the place. They're just going for stuff that's just not working. Everyone's giving the ball away. Everyone's a bit nervous. But from 15 minutes on, the, the key thing is they just don't press Carrick and Skulls at all. And in the second half, United can't get back into it, literally because they start doing that. Chelsea stop giving Carrick and Skulls time and space, and it, it completely changes the game. Um, there was a cutaway. Uh, and oh, Sorry, what, what were you going to say, Ed? No, no, I was, I was going to agree with that. And of, course, and, of course, they use their extra man. And United don't adjust quick enough to get five back into midfield uh, for quite some time. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, Skulls at this stage, you know, into the twilight of his career, still pinging balls around all over the place. Yeah, this is uh, the best Paul Skulls performance we've seen, I think, in Game Club. We've, we've kind of badly for Skulls games. Um, but in the first half, he's absolutely excellent in this game um and i was really pleased about that because because i keep kept waiting to, for us to stumble upon a game in which he was brilliant and first half of this was was that there's an amazing tackle from rio ferdinand on didier Drogba after about 10 minutes and then like a lovely piece of possession play which ends with uh, brown crossing in and hargreaves kind of gets in ronaldo's way but that just the tackle from drogba uh, the track tackle from rio on drogba was so perfect and assured and time everything you think of Rio Ferdinand it was brilliant yeah and after that every time Rio got anywhere near Drogba Drogba threw himself on the ground I mean just it's, it's absolutely shocking Chelsea's performance in this final so yeah every single decision they're screaming at the ref uh, like Joe Cole I don't, I don't know what Lubos Michel is I mean, I was going to say he's, he's extremely lenient. Of course, he gets revenge later in the game on Drogba for not much, really. For nothing. Um, well, yeah, I know. I mean, the way he explains it afterwards. I, I don't know whether you've... Um, there's a Guardian piece where they uh, look back. It's December the 31st, 2008, where they look back on the game and get quotes and interview pieces from uh, all the uh, the figures in the game. And Lubos Michel says, look, he hit him in the face. I didn't see it. My linesman came and told me it's violent conduct. I had no choice, mm. basically, his explanation, which is probably fair enough, but it's a really soft red card. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, not not for the first time. Rio does uh, Drogba, and then uh, later on, Drogba falls over so often. There's <laughs> just some really embarrassing ones. Um, my favourite first fif- thing in the first fifteen minutes was the first time Ronaldo gets one on one with Essien and absolutely murders him, and keeps doing it for the rest of the game. Poor old Essien, he's he's a makeshift right back and uh, very you know excellent midfielder. Of course, Michael Essien was not much copper as a right back versus at the time the best player in the world. <laughs> Yeah, my note on that just says 16 minutes, Ronnie sends Essien to the supermarket and makes him social distance. Like, just (laughs) absolutely outrageously destroys him. Because it's just so easy for Like, there's just, it just, he sells him, he sells him with a step over and goes. And Essien's like looking around, like, oh, what's just happened? This is bad. Um, There's a shot of Fergie on the touchline that was really interesting comparing it to Turin. Because you can see that he's nervous, obviously, but nine years of more experience, the fact that we'd won in 99, there's a calmness. I mean, it's it's not like he's zenly calm, but in 99 on the touchline, he looked terrified. He actually looked like really, really nervous. Now you can just see he's he's hiding it much better. If you look at his knuckles, you can see that his knuckles are white where he's holding his hands together. But his facial expressions, he just looks quite measured. It's interesting. Big, You're a very big dapper suit on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he looked good. He looked really good. <laughs> does look good. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Four, four finals, Fergie made, you know, two wins, two losses. Not really a great performance among them. I mean, this first half is probably as good as it gets, basically. I mean, because they weren't that good in the 99 final. As I remember, I don't, I don't know whether we're going to do it in this series. I, I did read the stats bomb, um, look back at 99. I don't know whether you ever saw that series they did, looking back on United 99 and um, uh, where United, uh, they did the XG sort of timeline on that one, which is kind of funny, as you'd imagine. It's like <laughs> yeah. a flat line with a big thing at the end. With a big it? cliff at the end, yeah. <laughs> um so, um, but but yes, uh, yeah, lost lost the train of my thought there. But but basically, yes, United don't play great in any of these four finals. This is the the moment when United are most in control in this first half of the two thousand eight final. Yeah, and and you know, look, he's maybe he's got a little extra calmness because he's won one already. It's no longer the promised land. He's made it there. Um, now it's all about legacy, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 I think he probably thought as well that this is a team that is, I mean, I'm sure he was desperate, desperate, desperate. I mean, he was desperate to win it. But this was a team that was going to get back to European finals. You know, he knew, and of course they did twice more in three years or whatever, especially the, the one immediately after this was kind of earned on merit. Um, all right. So the goal is pretty soon after this, and it's a brilliant goal. It, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's an absolute peach of a goal, and United completely deserve it. Really, although, well, this is my, this is where they sort of take off. Actually, really, more than more than anything else. So Brown, there's a Wes Brown throw into Paul Scholes, who picks it back to Wes Brown, who puts it passes it back to Scholes, and then there's a moment of genuine genius from Scholes, the flick that takes two players out of the game uh, straight back to Wes Brown, who then drives inside. And floats a beautiful cross up to the back stick with his left peg. Yeah, 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 an in swinger with the left left foot. Not- I mean, where's 
Wes made his debut as United player at 18. He left the club when, some a few years after this, I can't remember, he had many, many, many years with the club in, in youth team, in the reserves, in the first team. Never remember him sticking a crossing with his left before or after. <laughs> it was a really good one to get. I mean, I think he's one of uh, a handful of players that were in the 99 squad. You don't yeah. think of him being in the 99 squad, but of course he was. Um, and yeah, but the, so I've watched as, as I'm sure many of our listeners have, I'm sure you haven't Ed because of your well-publicized feelings about this sport, but I'm sure many of our listeners have watched the last dance in the last few weeks. Um, and, uh, there's been some discussion about, you know, Michael Jordan's place in, in sporting legacy history and Cristiano Ronaldo's name was mentioned as one of the sort of few that's perhaps alongside him and and but it but kind of isn't ultimately but this was this is the closest Cristiano ever got to literally being Michael Jordan because the hang time on that jump it's just stupid I've I I it looks like he's floating it's it's miraculous and it looks as all feats of unbelievable athletic excellence tend to look it looks incredibly easy um, and yeah, smooth. And, and not by accident either, because he does it time and time again in his career. He, he just has this incredible ability to to get up there. He should have been a rugby player at a line-out or something, but he's not getting support, is he, from some big fella grabbing his buttocks? <laughs> no, he doesn't need it. Just, like, leaps like a salmon and, and seems to stick in the air forever. And it's um, it's not a jump with a lot of forward momentum either. You kind of think maybe like a big run up forward is what's needed, but there's it's just it's just vertical. He just springs up and times the header perfectly and strong quads. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and uh, explo- yeah, explosive strength is what they say, isn't it? Um, and that's uh, yeah. And then the back of the net, United are one nil up. United are one nil up and and in complete control at this stage. Chelsea still aren't. Back in it. I mean, there's a good save from Van der Sar about five minutes after the goal, I think. Um, I think Balak shoves Ferdinand over. They had a little bit of <laughs> little how, fun and games in the rest of the game as well. How was that not a foul? Like, it, it just, like, the only reason Van der Sar has to make a, like, right on the line reaction save, almost a Hayer-esque. Van der Sar, who has terrible game, I would say, all in all. Um, but he has a, a good moment here. Makes a save on the line, but but literally comes from Balak shoving Ferdinand into the ball. Yeah, and then a minute later, just one of the moves of the game. It's uh, it's absolutely beautiful. Cl- cleared cleared um, from an attacking phase by Chelsea Rooney, and you're like, is he going to see him? Is he going to see him? Because Cristiano is absolutely belting it down the left wing, and you're like, get your head up, get your head up, and uh, he banks a sixty yard pass. Uh, right into Cristiano's feet. It's just a it's a thing of beauty, and you kind of remember what Rooney was all about. Still is all about. He can still do that. Yeah, yeah. The bit that he can't do. Well, he can, I was going to say the bit that he can't do is get back, but he just did in MLS, didn't he? he? Did that. This is basically exactly like that MLS, except he didn't make the tackle, but he did get the ball by his own co- corner, burst out past the Chelsea, the, the first line of Chelsea attackers. Um, like you're saying, get your head up, get your head up. Andy Gray on the commentary commentary that I watched was. Shouting, switch it, switch it, and um, he did. He switched it. Uh, Ronnie, the acceleration is ridiculous. The the beating of the man is ridiculous. You think it's gonna 
out outrun him, but of course it doesn't. It's a phenomenal cross as well. Absolutely, considering he just this lung bursting run, he, he's still got the the uh, the wherewithal to put in a perfect cross and a decent header from from Tevez, but a bit central. Well, well saved, I guess. Decent save, and then the rebound comes out to Michael Carrick, who really needed to channel the spirit of his goals against Roma. Yeah, in the Champions League the year before, like but he doesn't just just passes it back to Czech I centrally. Mean, he, he hits it quite hard, and he kind of keeps it. He keeps it down really well because that could easily go spooning over. But he's so busy concentrating on putting power and keeping it down that he just hits it dead straight down the middle, and Czech is able to kind of get up and. I mean, it doesn't go straight at Czech because he's right over on the left-hand side of his goal and he has to dive to his right to to save it right in the middle of the goal, basically. But yeah, if Michael Carrick had only put that a few yards to the left, everyone would have been spared a lot of nerves, I think, in this game. For sure. And then five minutes after that, there's another great chance for United. And it's, uh, it's only Hargreaves who wins the ball back. And he's just... You uh, he kind of... Um, Amid all his injuries and his really crap punditry, you you forget that he was actually a, a good player when he was fit. And this is a really good piece of Peter play. He's really tenacious, gets the ball back, and then you know, a lovely pass into the channel for Rooney, um, who who crosses for Tevez, and Tevez probably should have scored, wasn't anticipating the ball, really. Maybe the ball's too good, in fact. Yeah, I mean, because it's like a skidded cross, isn't it? And and I think it looks like it's going to hit the first man, but actually he's weighted it just about perfect that McAlealy just can't get um, and And unfortunately, nor can Tevez. That's right. And really, I mean, with those two chances, it should be 3-0 at this stage and, and probably would have been deserved as well. And it'd be good night, Chelsea. And they, they wouldn't have been able to bleat for years afterwards about how they really deserved to win. Well, I'll tell you what they didn't deserve. And that was the goal they jammed into the back of the net just before half-time. I mean, I just I remember this goal being jammy and frustrating at the time. But it it's just ridiculous. I mean, say like in Lampard's case, he makes his own luck by gambling. And that's fair enough. But everything has to go right for the ball to fall to his feet. Um, it, there's just a bunch of ricochets and bounces and then it, it it goes in front of Lampard and then Van der Sar slips, which the second half of the game is just basically played on ice. They're just falling over. Everyone falls over in this game. I mean, it's of course... Yeah, well, it's because it's been raining solidly for four months in Moscow <laughs> and they just relayed the pitch. So... <laughs> Because it was his plastic pitch normally and they, they stuck turf over the top of it, basically. Yeah, I know. I mean, SEN shoots for miles out at this ridiculous angle. And it's, yeah, the, the only way Chelsea score there is if it bounces off someone and it does it. It clips uh, Vidic's heel, basically, and falls you know, perfectly for Lampard to score. Who gives it the big I am. Ugh. They didn't half wind me up, these Chelsea players. It's 12 years ago and we won, but it's just, it's a, it is a, a shocking performance from all of them. Uh, yeah. Um, they got what they deserved in the end. I mean, obviously this game is synonymous with people falling over um, all these years later, but the, um, but really I had forgotten just how many players do fall over in that second half. And Van der Sar is another one where... Um, in just at the beginning, nearish the beginning of the second half, where Sien has a, has a shot and Van der Sar falls over, and um, the shot goes over, so nothing bad happens. But 
it just it's happening all game basically um anything it else? is and and one more thing before half time there's a shocking foul from uh, Carvalho on on Hargreaves studs up mid shin i mean Quite a good chance a lot of referees would give that as a red. I mean, with VAR, I think there's a very good chance, in fact. Mm. Uh, so maybe, you know, some kind of karmic bal- rebalancing of the force going on here with Drogba getting a red for tickling Vidic later in the game. One thing that you started to say and then didn't finish saying was about Joe Cole moaning at the referee. And uh, there's a point in the second half where Patrice Elvra elbows him in the face off the ball. And like Joe Cole is complaining because he's worried he's going to use the lose the use of his mouth, which is clearly his key tool in this game. Like he is relent every like throw in corner. It's got to be a clear strategic instruction. Um, it looks like it. It's not just him either. It's it's all the players. It, they obviously feel they can put this referee under pressure, and so it was it was a plan. I mean, Cole's one of the worst. I mean, it's, it's, it starts, he goes absolutely bad, doesn't he, when he doesn't get a corner, um, when it looks like Evra's kicked the ball against his legs and gone out, but in fact, Evra's just kicked it out. So, yes, it should have been a corner. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I don't know. There aren't too many occasions in, in all my years of watching football where a ref's gone, oh, you know what, right? Yes, yes Mr. Cole, sir, yes. <laughs> now, you, now you say that, I recognise you to be right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's just relentless from the whole team. So about midway through the second half, Andy Gray says on the co-coms, um, good players, he, he's quoting Graham Souness, who'd said it at half-time. Graham Souness. Um, he said, good players take matters into their own hands. And he said, that's what's happened here. Because in the first half, they weren't pressing Carrick and Scholes, and in the second half, they are. That's what good players do. And I'm like, you know that literally started at half-time? On the dot of half, do you think maybe their manager might have said, hey, lads, what would be quite good in this game? What would make a big difference <laughs> in this game? I think quite, un- I mean, the idea that uh, British media, football media in general, not big fans of Avram Grant, I don't think, because he... No, no, I know. I mean, he, he he was defined before he had the chance to define himself as Chelsea manager as being not not fit for the job. Yeah. And everyone just kind of agreed with that and and would never let it go. And that he was just yeah, Roman Abramovich's pet. Uh, and that's why he was in, in situ. But, you know, he got this team, which is a good Chelsea team, oh, finished yeah. second in the league to United, uh, to the Champions League final. You know, so obviously not a complete mug. Perhaps he did the obvious thing and said, you've got an old dude in midfield, press him. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, You mentioned the two points, the, the second place in the league. I was going to mention that. Because um, we had, of course, we we'd won the league in this season. Because every time we win the Champions League, we've won the league as well. Because Ferguson's the best manager that's ever been. Um, but this isn't one of those occasions where the other team finished miles behind us. Chelsea are just two points behind United by the end of this season. So it, it was close run, and and there was no certainty of United's inevitable supremacy over Chelsea. And in fact, in the second half, Chelsea come back superbly and and put on a, a pretty fine display and and do crit there's 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 one where drug per i mean we'll talk about these in isolation but i think one of the reasons why chelsea fans might talk about deserving to win this game is it really does change in tenor dramatically at half time 
you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, Chelsea are on top straight away. Um, and there's a sort of period between the 50th minute and the 60th minute where they, they fashion a chance every sort of, you know, couple of minutes, basically. Uh, there's um, a really great run by Essien. He shoots over. Vidic has to, like, dive in to cut out a cross. Balak shoots over and wide. Um, there's this kind of relentless Chelsea pressure. Chelsea fans even get involved for the first time in the evening. You can hear them singing their famous song, Chelsea, Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea. The worst thing about watching United play Chelsea is having that song stuck in your head afterwards because it's a horrible earworm. Their, their fans are like whistling United possession in this game. It's very, very strange. And in the first half, you can just hear like Viva Ronaldo and the Rooney song and that it kind of echoes out in that strange echoey stadium. But uh, just like you say, it's the first time you hear Chelsea fans singing. I mean, it's a horrible stadium for a football game. I mean, it, like with the the track, it never helps any atmosphere ever. But it's a track and distance and and like the pitch is extra big and it's narrowed in and it's just it feels like it's a hundred yards from the pitch to the nearest fans, and, and just yeah, and it echoes around and it's pissing down with rain and it's like I'm sure um, I, I didn't go to this game. Uh, wish I had. Um, of course, but uh, and and everyone who went had a fantastic time. Who are United fans, of course, but uh, like for a spectacle on the telly, it's an awful stadium, and you wonder what UEFA were thinking. Oh, do you? Do you wonder what UEFA? Were? <laughs> I'm not sure you do wonder what you. I think we all know what UEFA have spent literally every waking moment thinking about. Um, there's a uh, just. Uh, I mean. Well, 15 minutes of pressure, then there's a, a just a fantastic piece of defending by Michael Carrick on 64 minutes where there's a free kick from Malude, whips it across. And Carrick's horizontal when he uh, gets this out with his outstretched toe. And it's, it's one of those ones, if it had been Phil Jones doing that, it'd have flown into the top corner. <laughs> but as it's Michael Carrick, is out for a throw-in. Perfect. Um, you know, defend very well during a lot of this period of pressure a lot of the shots are from yeah. range and you know well, we were saying on the whatsapp um, wondered what the xg would be on this i mean chelsea have 24 shots to united 12 in the game but but how many of them were good you know really really good because even though like drogba hits a post that's going to be very very low xg it's not even going to count as a shot on target actually because it hits a post uh, Lampard hits a bar in extra time or late in the game. Can't remember. Yeah, that that one I reckon would be a fairly decent chance because he's in a That'd lot of he's decent. in a lot of space, isn't he? When he when he yeah, but I reckon Chelsea are one point five to one point eight something like that. Yeah, yeah. Although the Lampard goal, the first goal in the first half, is probably quite will be high. Yeah, quite a big chance. Yeah. So let's let's give him two, but United's would be possibly higher than that. I reckon because um, the the Tevez one would have been a, a big a big chance Huge. that the yeah. Yeah. goals obviously like a massive chance once once there's contact made but it's the it gets really scruffy it's just loads of stoppages and injuries and everyone's cramping up because of the pitch and 
Yeah. United don't have any... <laughs> There's about four players all down at the same time at one stage. There's, there's Cole who's vigorously rubbing his groin. And does Joe... No, I'm sorry, um, Ashley Cole. Joe Cole goes down at basically the same time as Terry Ferdinand gets it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and it's not good. In the first half, of course, Paul Scholes, by an act of violence uh, attempted on, on a Chelsea player gets himself a crack in the head and he's bleeding for the whole game, really. He's still bleeding when he comes off uh, for Ryan That's right. Giggs right near the end of the of uh, normal time. There's- yeah, so 80, 82 or something. I mean, it's I think it's around um, 65 or so that United... It, it's just after um, Terry heads over after Van der Sar misses a corner, right? Uh, Fergie switches it around and pushes Rooney out onto the right wing, Ronaldo out onto the left... And you have to go to five across midfield and push Owen Hargreaves inside. And the goal there is just a, like, they're just going to spoil the game. They match up with Chelsea's midfield. And I think that's really where the tide switches, you know. So after this, Chelsea just don't have that rush of chances anymore. They're probably just about on top in terms of balance. You know, never really get back into this game as a creative attacking force in the way they were in the first half. But Chelsea aren't. You know, murdering United after this. No. There's a deflected shot from Michael Carrick. Um, and and this is just the theme of this series, basically. It's just me complaining about co-commentators. But Andy Gray says um, that Fergie should have maybe switched it up after the switch-up. He says that he should maybe have switched it up at 1-0 and gone more solid. Like, at 1-0, United made three absolute clear-cut chances got insanely unlucky to concede a goal. So I don't think it was a tactical issue at 1-0, Andy. Anyway, it's, you know, it's it's tough being a co-commentator in that situation. And, and Andy Gray, for all his spectacular faults as a human, is actually one of the more listenable co-commentators because he's not committed to relentless negativity like uh, so many of them. Um, but yeah. Like certain, Maluda, certain fullbacks who didn't want... play in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Maluda should 100% have been booked for diving. Oh, so it's a shocking dive. Yeah. And he's he's like moaning for ages afterwards and the referee's not given it because there's no contact. Like it couldn't be a penalty. So I do not understand why he's not booked Maluda there. Well, it's a classic trick of flicking his own heel. I mean, it's not, it's not accidental either. He's doing that on purpose. <laughs> he, he flicks his right foot onto his left foot, trips himself over and goes flying. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, and and the referee's right there. I mean, you can see it. But yes, yes, surely should have been the yellow card it, it, because, given that he doesn't think it's a foul, Maluda's absolutely flung himself. So it's not like a, one of those borderline ones where a player's gone down and you don't know if he's simulating or not. He is facials the work simulating. This is just before Patrice Elv ever accidentally elbows Joe Cole in the face off the ball. Accidentally, oh. and just before Drogba hits the post, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a, a really lovely effort. Yeah, mm. it's um, I mean, not much of a back lift and whips whips his foot around the ball, and uh, Van Zars is going to Van Zars left, and he's nowhere near it. And, it's from miles uh, thuds out, off the post. Yeah, yeah, from miles out and and out of absolutely nothing with no one about, and he hasn't done that much in the game. Like I I I like Didier Drogba. I think he's a a superb player and a, a fine humanitarian off the pitch. Um, Off the pitch, on the pitch, (laughs) on the pitch. Bit of a whiner. See you next Tuesday, son, yeah. Um, But yeah, a phenomenal shot. Uh, Tevez has a a 
pretty good opportunity uh, not long after that. He just makes the wrong decision and shoots from the kind of... Uh, oh, no, that might have been the one in extra time, actually. He's, he has a shot from range. It's a fairly decent shot from range there. It's kind of made out of... And I, I haven't got any other notes for the second half of that. That's, that's all of my notes. Have I missed anything big? No, I've got dive from Drogba, dive from Maluda, dive from Ballet. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, 75, 77, 78. Like um, when Porto played Celtic under Mourinho, the most frustrating football match I've ever seen in my life. But, um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's 90 minutes, it's one all. I mean, on the balance of the two halves, it's a, it's fair. United should have been two or three nil up in that first half. Second half, Chelsea were very good for 30 minutes before Fergie switched it around. And the, the only complaint really is Fergie took a little too long to, to make the switch and, and give uh, give Skull some protection in midfield. And I think that, you know, this, this Chelsea side is one of two genuine rivals that United had in in English football because by the time City came along we just weren't that good anymore so you know although maybe the, that 2013 2012 2013 game that we watched uh with Van Persie in the side maybe we slightly undervalue how good that team actually was um but we weren't we weren't at the level it's definitely not one of Ferguson's best teams but these lot and Arsenal in in sort of 97 to 99 they were the two times that a really good United side was was challenged by a really good opposition, and it's it's quite nice that we substantially came out on top both times. Yeah, so extra time and extra time is uh, hmm, awful. <laughs> I mean, like Lampard hits a bar just after the the restart. Yeah, sort of turns and shoots, but it's an awful mess by United at the back, isn't it? I mean, you know, they just don't get into shape at all ever. Yeah, right before, right at the beginning, there's a ball from Rooney towards Tevez, and Terry gets this like very crucial foot in. But yeah, the the the, the Chelsea Chelsea interplay leading up to that Lampard shot is pretty good. They they kind of force some of the, it's one of the it's the only time they work an opening in the whole game. Basically, um, everything else good that they've done has been from range or from a bobble of a ball or whatever. But this is this is a decent opening, and and Lampard does actually do really well to spin and hit a snapshot and like millimeters from being a spectacular and probably champions league winning goal it's 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 good job uh, good job what's good job the uh, um, there's, a, there's a lovely piece of play by patrice evra the who, rooney who, ball who, the rooney <laughs> I, I just wrote raking diag because it's just like a classic it's a second classic evra evra speed at this period of his career. That's great. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, Evra, bigger than Cole. Just just saying, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, yeah, burst past Essien again, I guess it is, and cuts across back. Uh, lovely. Giggs hits Terry. Wasn't very... Did Giggs it? Didn't hit it clean, did he? I mean, he kind of, he kind of toe pokes it, Giggs does, but I wonder if he's trying to do that. He's trying to stab it into that corner because he can see that Czech, Czech can never get there but Terry kind of leaps and flicks it out of the way it's, yeah. it, this the game that um, he passes Bobby Charlton's appearance record so mm. this stage of his career the only thing he's hitting hard is his brother's wife uh, there's a bit of Tyler commentary where he's like can't find anyone with a bad word to say about Ryan Giggs he seems like a really good lad off the pitch and of course a legend on it <laughs> it's like oh how little you knew Martin how little you knew um, the uh, the the ball back from Evra two gigs after the run is also absolute. It's fantastic, perfect. 
And yeah, we should have won it right then and there. Tevez does well, cuts back inside, shoots from the edge of the box, but that's a, a pretty lame shot. And then an oh, the one the like the last good bit of football in the whole game. After 105 minutes, Chelsea are about to be one on one with the keeper, but Vidic puts in just an absolute picture of a last call, sort of over on the right hand side, like United's right hand side, Chelsea's left. And Vidic and Ferdinand are both over there and, and there's just acres of space behind him. If he doesn't do that, who knows what, what happens, but he does because he's Nemanja Vidic. So let's talk about sending off then, shall we? Yeah, that's my only note in the second half. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's, it's so uh, there's, there's Basically, it starts with a whole bunch of players getting cramp and and there's, they're being treated. And Tevez... Instead of giving the ball back to Chelsea, he he puts it out for a throw in, like deep into the Chelsea half. Is that where it all starts? The the aggro. But the thing is, that was there was nothing wrong with that because Chelsea United had the ball in a really promising position. Maluda was down, and and Tevez should not have hit the ball out, and he did hit the ball out. And then Chelsea, um, it's it's I think uh, Halu or Maluda, one or the other knocks the ball, instead of passing it back to van der Sar, knocks it out of play. Um, so he's just doing what they did, basically. That's, right. That's... And then he kind of signals for everyone to get involved so they go and put the pressure on sort of thing. Mm. And and that seems to have pissed the Chelsea players off. And, and Terry and Balak are the instigators. I mean, two players who could start finding an empty room. They've had a lot over the years, haven't they, Chelsea? Oh, un- unlike us, of course. With unlike they merely us, had no, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane, and Nicky Barton, Phil Neville. And- <laughs> we were we were clapping for the NHS before that was a thing. Yeah, um, so <laughs> never had anyone cause trouble ever. But anyway, Terry and Ballack started it, um, and uh, and then everyone's involved. Vidic gets in, you know, gets involved. Um, you don't really want to mess with him. Drogba's doing a lot of finger waving. It's, it's kind of, I don't know. He's got this, he's like schoolmasterly thing going on where he's telling everybody off. And, and yeah, and then I don't know what Vidic says to him, but he gives him a bit of a slap. It's not Does, a hard one. And to be he? fair to Vidic, he doesn't go falling on the floor and rolling about, yeah. which many, many players would. Absolutely, but not many Vidic. Um, the, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a very, very, very soft decision from the referee and obviously has a substantial effect on the game, you might imagine, given it's about to go to penalties. Um, and Chelsea... Well, are, I was going to say, it's only two minutes left, but yes, he would presumably have taken a penalty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, Chelsea understandably aggrieved by that decision, but sort of... I mean, I'm not... It, it kind of felt like, yeah, this is what you get for moaning at the referee for 120 minutes. And you know, I, I give him the excuse. <laughs> I don't really like the the tribalism that comes into football because I think United players. There's lots of obnoxious players in this United side. Ronaldo is playing for us. He's not not exactly uh, fun to watch in terms of the way he relates to other players and the referees. Um, sure, he's a he's our. Um, uh, but yeah, Drogba gets sent off, and then and then it's penalties. So I've I've written down I wrote down where every single one of these penalties went, which is right, very right. easy with the Chelsea thing because uh, as we know from reading the book Soconomics, um, Avram Grant was 
pretty influenced by the work of a, an economist who had a game theorist who said you basically need to hit every single penalty to the right. And uh, Edwin van der Sar does not twig until the literally the last penalty. But let's let's go through him. Tevez steps up for United. And Tevez, who obviously like hey, all United fans hate Tevez, blah, 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 blah. But my goodness, it would have been really good if Fergie had just spent all that money and signed him because he, he was well worth having around. Um, a, a fantastic, a fantastic penalty, low, low to uh, the right. All, all the, I've written right and left, and it's from the attacker's point of view every time. So, uh, Tevez low to the right. Balak, killer penalty, German efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, top, top right hand corner. Carrick, this is the first sort of slightly iffy penalty. Oof, it's a bit near to the keeper, isn't it? Yeah, d- decent height keeper to the left. Good job the keeper went the wrong way. Um, Belletti, low to the right. Van der Sar- I think that might have been Belletti's first touch because yeah. he came on, much like Anderson came on with about four minutes of injury time having been played. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Anderson comes on and I remember him obviously coming on to take a penalty, but turns out it was to take a penalty if everyone else, like if it was needed rather than in the first five. Um Bletty's Bletty's penalty's fine, but Van der Sar's gone left every time, so this decision to shoot right every time has proved quite effective. Um, Ronaldo, mate, 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 mate. Oh dear, oh dear, he's had a mare there, hasn't he? The stop, the start, and then he's basically. I mean, it'd be an illegal penalty now because it's it's there's not one flowing motion so you know you can do a hop skip and a jump as long as you're moving but he literally stops waits waits and he's blown it at that stage i thought that was already banned by then i thought this was the john aldridge rule um, and it went back further than that but yeah i mean he's doing the thing that he just needs check to go and check just doesn't doesn't budge yeah, yeah. and very easy yeah. and he can't then get any um distance away from check on the, on the penalty Lampard's low to the right, not brilliant, but Van der Sar's dive left again. Hargreaves, German efficiency. <laughs> oh, bang. <laughs> right in the top corner. Yeah, it takes some balls of steel to do that, doesn't it? So high. I mean, that's a 0.99 penalty, that is. Yeah, I mean, check goes exactly the right way, like high, high into the uh, left, but it's just unstoppable. And then Cole is to... Hole goes right. They all like every yeah. every single Chelsea penalty until an Elkers goes and it's right. Very close. Get, gets a hand on it, doesn't he, Van der Sar? Yeah, doesn't quite manage to keep it out. Nanny check has to score. Yeah, and 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 does he hits it? He hits it so hard. I mean, I guess one thing Nanny could always do is hit the ball really hard. Uh, as always, and, and a plug for the official United podcast, a delightful interview of Nanny who comes across brilliantly. Um, and is quite defensive about having scored Cristiano Ronaldo, rolled out one of Cristiano Ronaldo's best ever um, international goals. <laughs> Funny little <laughs> moment, that. But anyway, he hits it so hard that Czech, again, goes exactly the right way, but uh, can't keep it out, even if he gets a pretty, gets a pretty good hand to it, Czech does, just blasts through his hand. Oh, and then uh, John Terry. What, what, what happens to John Terry's John, penalty, John, exactly? So John Terry, now let me get this straight. John Terry, I believe, changed the order of penalty so he could take the fifth one in this. I believe <laughs> that's a famous story. And yes, John Terry yes. is a famously obnoxious man. And this is not... Not another nice human. No, this is not one-eyed tribalism. 
This is literally couldn't happen to a nicer chap. Um, his standing leg slips out from under him as he goes to, and he, he almost manages to control his falling off. And if it had gone anywhere in the net, Van der Sar's dived left again, even though every single Chelsea penalty has gone to the right. Um, and uh, yeah, but the, it's the post and the game continues. Yes, Van der Sar not one to commiserate with his uh, crestfallen opponent. <laughs> Milks it yep. significantly. Big fish. Good, good, because United's still in the cup and Anson smashes it in, his first touch of the game, I think. Yeah, right roofs it basically um and Kalu fantastic penalty under that kind of pressure and sudden death perfect high to the Gigs, right I remember thinking at the time oh no because oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd seen him take a few penalties before and they were never good so I, think- I mean there was one one game he scored I think it was against Southampton where he scored twice didn't he? he scored two penalties in that game but I'd seen him miss some and not take that many yeah um and he sells the keeper he Definitely sends the keeper to the wrong corner and then taps it home. Um, and then Nicola and Elka, a centre forward, taking the seventh penalty, might tell you something about how confident he was feeling. And Edwin has finally worked out what's happening. And so he makes himself big. And as he does, he starts pointing to his left, the Chelsea right, saying, I know where you're going to hit it. I know where you're going to hit it. And Anelka bottles it. And tries to hit it left, and Van der Sar goes left and saves it and wins the European Cup for Manchester United. Sweet, uh, Ryan Giggs and Rio Ferdinand lift the cup together. I was um, I was sent something by uh, by a friend of the show, Darren Richmond, um, which I uh, I actually don't know where it comes from, but I'm going to read it because it's because it's beautiful. So um, this is about a, a friendly that happened between the end of this season and the beginning of the next season, I think. Maybe 20,000 supporters were in their seats. While Van der Sar did his stretches, uh, the two large screens that had been specially mounted in the stadium, there's not normally TV screens at Old Trafford, burst into life and showed a small highlights pack of the European Cup final where Van der Sar had been the hero just a couple of months earlier. A few less lunges and Van der Sar looked up at the screen nearest him. What we didn't know at the time was that Van der Sar hadn't watched a shootout or the game at all since that day. He was watching it for the first time as we watched him perform merely perfunctory exercises, edging from hip to hip but transfixed by what was being shown on the screen. The whole crowd were living every kick with him and by the time it got to the penalties, the ground was going crazy. When he got to his crucial save, Van der Sar was as transfixed as everyone in the ground. As the televised version of himself made the vital save, the big Dutchman went mad with us, punching the air and sharing his feelings with the stadium. Just us and our keeper. It was magic. That's fantastic, isn't it? Isn't it? Fan- isn't that fantastic? Um, but yeah, brilliant. Van der Sar, who'd had a terrible game, basically, falling over every five minutes and flapping at everything, uh, became the absolute hero and a kind of all-time United legend for that. Yeah, he definitely has a mixed bag of Champions League finals for United, doesn't he? <laughs> That's your longest. All terrible. That's your longest running agenda ever. That is. On this <laughs> yeah, it show. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've had longer running agendas. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, anyway, so it was, that was it was fun yeah, reliving great. that. Fun, fun for the moment. I mean, the game's not awesome. First half's lot, great, and then first the penalty good. And then good. It descends, yeah, uh, and the pitch is terrible, and the stadium's horrible, <laughs> and the weather's terrible. <laughs> but uh, it's the last time United won the European Cup. Yeah, absolutely. It might it was, be. 
might be the last time for some time. Yeah, I well. mean, you know, in nine years, it felt like a long time at that time. And obviously that's now 12 years ago. It was just, just the other day, 12 years ago. Um, I, I, I put, I, I know it's a few stats, but um, oh, it doesn't really matter. Statman, have a look at Statman Dave's Twitter account from the 21st. He went through a bunch of uh, stats. Cristiano Ronaldo, 10 successful take-ons in the 90 minutes. That is a very high number of successful take-ons in a football match. It certainly is. I wonder how many of them were successfully taking on Michael yeah, Absolutely, no, no doubt. Um, I, I enjoyed this one. I'm looking forward to to the Berbatov game. Much lower stakes, obviously. Although, yeah, like you can't really say it, uh, a game against Liverpool's lower stakes. But there's something about watching Champions League semi final and Champions League final that now the rest of football feels a bit like mm, oh, this is this this isn't yeah, as, yeah, this yeah. isn't it's as like good. Poor. I, didn't, I mean, United went on to win the um, Club World Cup or whatever it's called in the, the December, but um, fluffed the Super Cup, which, yeah, I know is a friendly, but a lot of teams take it very seriously uh, against St. Petersburg, where they basically, they'd had a short pre-season and they hadn't had enough games and they used this as a kind of friendly. And I remember being pretty annoyed at, like, what a mixed bag of a team that he'd sent out and their sort of low-energy response to that one because you know it's an important trophy i mean anyway. it's not an important trophy he, it's he, not an important he, trophy. He, he, this was though this was a really important this trophy. was an important trophy and it was uh it was a it was lovely to remember lovely scenes that night the photo is very embedded in my head fergie in his white raincoat thing um just looking so happy and uh it's nice that he, he won a sex shame he didn't get a third but it was not nice that he at least didn't end because it would have been ridiculous for him to end with one that would have that would have felt silly, basically. Um, so for bonus content on the show, what we're going to do is we're going to go through each one of the United players that featured in this game and talk about what they did afterwards, and where they ended up and where they are now, uh, which we did for 1968. Um, sort of be fun to do it for some of these yeah. uh, more more recent players because they they spread quite far and wide from the upper reaches of football in some cases to uh, not that in others. Um, <laughs> that's right yeah. so thanks for listening everyone please do continue to look after yourselves um, and uh, thanks to everyone that's got in touch to, to tell us that they've enjoyed uh, these shows we're, we're going to keep doing them um, we'll be back on Friday with another one I guess guess so yeah yeah see you then bye now Oh,